Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender and sometimes both. And this is part two of our Black Barbie conversation with Nikki. Hope you enjoy. Anyway, go back to Halle Berry. Yes, let's talk oh, yeah. about no, the queen just... of the mixed girls. <laughs> she actually, she actually is. Her and um, the new one, uh, Zoe. Zoe from Kravitz. Black-ish? Oh, Zoe Kravitz? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's repping for mixed girls, heavy and respected. Girl, have you, do you follow Lenny Kravitz on Instagram? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I, I do. Say, I, you know I, who Lenny's parents are, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I know what's up. <laughs> She's like, I know my man. Don't ask me questions. I know my man. And it's hard because like his daughter's like four years younger than me. So I could never be his woman. So irritating. First of all, first of all, first of all, yes, you can. Because we know men date all kinds of ages. So, But I would want Zoe to be my best friend. So I don't want her to be like, why are you dating this chick who's <laughs> could be my peer? No, no, no. I'm sure Lenny has been with enough people that by this point, Zoe's just like, oh, cool. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I bet they seem so they, chill. They seem like the more free, you know, you know how, you know how there's this whole argument or this conversation about how like black people can't, you can't call, we can't be wild. We can't be free in the way that like white kids can be and whatnot. I feel like the Kravitzes have achieved that in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I think Prince achieved it too. I think there's like a small fractions of, you know, the black community who have been able to achieve that, but yet it's still not universally true for us. And, and I constantly wonder, is it because they have money that they can do and be that sort of like break off from what do you see do you see that happening in any other space where the money is not as significant I don't know because you know it's hard right like I'd have to get like the internet would have to present those people to me through algorithms because it's easy to find celebrities and rich people who are celebrity it's not so easy to find um your everyday average person on the internet not anymore like 10 years ago it was so easy to gain tens of thousands of followers now it's so hard and it's such a saturated platform but i'd be curious i would i would actually be okay i need an anthropologist if somebody's an anthropologist listening to the show let's team up because because i feel like we we in our family kind of achieved that a little bit too like we don't necessarily fit that mold of what people expect from black children and black adults be, you know, and, and I think that's why I gravitate towards like Lenny and, um, his crew, like when Lisa Bonet, you know, got with Jason Momoa is like, that feels right. Like that makes sense to me. Wild child energy. Kind of that bohemian. Can I say the word bohemian? Is that allowed? I, still? So. I don't know. I, I don't know. I say it. And they have that vibe where they're just free and natural and in this uninhibited state. <clears throat> Lenny has that vibe. You know what? Diana Ross's kids kind of have that vibe too. They do. They do. Oh, they all do. Especially yeah. um Evan. Yeah. Evan, he just seems to be like, this is just me. Yeah. This is me and this is my life. Like, yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's super chill. And I just would love to see that come to fruition for more of the black community, because could you imagine what the world would be like if Prince hadn't given us permission to be weird and black? Yeah. Yeah. We would be, we would be a different type of society. Mm -hmm. I totally Because we, you know, for me, I saw Prince and I was like, oh, so it's totally like I can, because, you know, my aunt would buy us matching dresses and it was cute, but after a while, it was just kind of like, I don't want to wear that. Like, I want to make my own shit. Like, I want to wear my hair crazy. I want to do all these things. Like, I want to experiment. I never really experimented with makeup. I'm very traditionalist when it comes to makeup. But, like, I don't know. I just wanted to experiment and just don't kill my vibe, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for real. For real. Absolutely. But I don't know. I don't know if I would have thought it was okay to if I hadn't seen Prince do it. I mean, that's why representation matters, right? Mm-hmm. If you, I think I just like reposted a meme the other day on social media. It's just like, if you see it, then you know it can be done. Like that little boy who saw the pilot. Were you the one who originally shared that? The, oh yeah, the, the pilot. Boy. It was so First of all, that video was hella fucking adorable. Like, yeah. OMG, this little sweet boy is just so happy. Like, just super, like, ugh. It, mm. Yeah, it was a, a heart Yeah. It was adorable. But yeah, if you if you see that this is possible for you, mm-hmm. then you'll go, then you'll think about things differently. Yeah. Right? Um, and the only thing that I'll say to the people that you listed um, because it's been a topic of conversation recently, kind of like within some groups of people. Mm-hmm. But there's one, there's two common denominators regarding everyone you just listed. They're all mixed. <laughs> they're all mixed. They're yeah. all mixed. They're they're a lighter shade of brown, mm-hmm. and some of them even lighter than that, right? Yeah. Um, and. Of course, you know, that speaks to potentially other issues, but mm-hmm. oh is man, to be that way, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Is it mm-hmm. just coincidence or is that just reality? Is that the yeah. nature of it? You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know. Not saying that I have an answer to that, but just another layer to put No, but it makes me want to dive and do some sort of anthropological cultural anthropological study in it because that's my hurdle right like always like you know that whole my my hardship is is worse than yours so I like I'm not allowed to be in any kind of pain as a black woman because I'm light and I've got light skin privilege and I'm pretty so I've got pretty girl privilege and all of these things but it's like that's just as hard I feel like that's not bringing us together to fight the collective battle against racism that's just aiding in it like that's what the overall industry wants is for us infrastructure wants is for us to be at battle with each other because i'm a little bit lighter than some of my you know sisters in in race and that's not okay because then they win we're never going to dismantle racism if we can't come together and be like okay girl I get it we all have let's like let's have our jam session let's get it out of the way and then now let's go fight racism together you know what I mean it's like that whole like my sister and I can fight but we're not gonna fight in public (laughs) that part that part that part yeah 
right? Like let's fight, but let's not fight in public because then what we're, what are we doing? We're giving permission to the people who believe that we are lesser and don't deserve equity and equality. We're just proving their point. It's if we are fighting with you, with each other, if our focus is on each other, mm-hmm. then our focus is not on them. Right. And so we're never going to get to the bigger issue because we won't shift our focus. Yeah. What people need to understand is that colorism is not a thing. Black is a diaspora. Mm-hmm. There is no one shade of black. It really should be black and brown. Mm-hmm. Right, because what what is considered black is really just darker toned brown people, right. right? But it's it is a diaspora, and then we can get into the slave trade and the people getting everywhere and the mixed cultures that have happened as a result of that. But the reality is, is you could put two people, how you could put twenty people mm-hmm. that are considered black and stand them in a line and they will all look different. Mm-hmm. They will all look different. I think the only real common theme that I've seen, it just kind of depends on people's genetics, is the somewhat bell pepper nose. Yeah. But like everything else, it ju- it is a full diaspora. Mm-hmm. So once we literally pick up the word colorism and then just put it in an open flame and realize that it never truly existed until it became an opportunity for us to um, envelop and dehumanize each other, mm-hmm. right? It is a tool, mm-hmm. it is a tactic, mm-hmm. it is a strategy to keep us distracted amongst ourselves yeah. where we're not putting our focus and where it needs to be. If we came together, this world would be completely different, right? Right, right. So, like I'm gonna... Like, oh, I'm going to, if I get in the door because I'm a little bit lighter, cool. Who can I bring with me? That part. Because it's not going to be just me. You don't get to just take me. You're going to take me and whatever sisters qualified behind me because it's a team, right? Like, and that's part of the, that's part of the thing. And I feel like, you know, it's so easy even for our community to get sucked into that conversation of like, or get sucked into like the dark part of the mentality of like, oh, there's not going to be any room at the table. I'm going to get left behind. When we're pushing white people to make room at the table, we still have that fear that we're not going to be allowed at the table. Like if somebody gets at the table, they're not going to make room for us. And I, I, and I struggle, I struggle because it's like, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Cause my whole life, my whole life has been that battle between black and white and having to pick a side and it's fucked up. Oh, absolutely. Um, even, and just to maybe make you feel better, but even people who have a darker hue than you have those same issues, but it's different because one being myself, but because I've seen it, if there is an argument of Black American versus African. Mm. Oh my gosh, that conversation right now is actually really fascinating to me because there was a report on NPR, and I think we kind of touched on this a little bit in the DMs too. NPR recently did a report about how, because you were the one telling me, you're the one who sent me the video about um, when the States opened up for immigration for countries from Africa. Right. Um, I think so. And, and how that's now changing, like those generations from the sixties forward are kind of changing the way 
we have to look at what it means to be black in America, because now you, we have generations of people here who did not experience slave American slavery in the way that Mm -hmm. our ancestors did and the generational trauma that exists for us in that way. It's fascinating to me to follow that story. Oh, absolutely. But the, the dichotomy of like, how do you identify? Mm -hmm. Right. Because I myself am a half breed, right? And she just pulled it out right there. Oh, absolutely. I'm a half breed and people give me shit on both sides. And I'm one of a million who are similar in that fashion, right? Where, you know, you are not enough of this or you're not enough of that. You are, um, um, usually they're just like you should be representing more on either side and also the conversation of like when people make assumptions about your heritage right Mm -hmm. like I remember one time somebody was like we were giving this teacher shit about like his lineage because he has documented history of his family being um slave owners and Mm -hmm. he finally lost his shit he's like you guys too you are the problem too and I was like First of all, my mother's people didn't even show up here until the 20th century. So I'm going to go with, no, we were not part of the problem. I mean, sure. Yeah. Italy has its own issues with racism, but like in terms of the American story, like my people were not here in the 20th century on the white side. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And never mind. Let me not get that deep, but I hear you. I hear you. I, I feel myself running down a rabbit hole, so I'm just gonna, gonna pull up before I dive in too deep. But I completely hear what you're saying. And there's, if if people just in general understood that everyone can relate to each other because there is dichotomy in all aspects, mm-hmm. if we could just flip that, take that off of the table, everyone is dealing with similar issues. Mm-hmm. So if we could just recognize that within each other and cohesively be able to say, those issues aren't really a big deal, yeah. right? It's, it, it's basically nothing. I need us to focus on global warming. Like, yeah, I'd like to have a planet to live on when I'm a hundred, please. Like I would like to live to 120 and I'd like for there to be an environment. Yes, you know, we need to be focusing on, on rich versus poor because these rich folks are just taking it yeah yeah so there's there's just bigger things that we should be looking at and I I wish that people understood that they should take a step back the point is to keep us fighting with each other so they can't so we're distracted from actually taking care of the real issues issues. absolutely absolutely makes me cranky and that's I think part of why I felt so conflicted about the controversy about the representation dolls because on the one hand you had little girls like me who were like I love Barbie but they're all blonde yeah yeah for real and and what a difference that would have made had I been a and not a if had I been always growing up like the generation now with Barbies of different physical types ethnicities abilities etc like oh my god God, I'd probably be like a way more of a feminist, <laughs> no, but like, but like what a difference that would make. So that leads me into the next segment, which goes like this. 
Ida B. Wells was a journalist. She authored The Red Record, which detailed the brutal lynchings of Black Americans in the post-antebellum South. She used statistics and quantitative data as part of her work, because you can't really argue with numbers, right? She is a co-founder of the NAACP with W.E.B. Du Bois and others. And I suggest you all hit Google about her, but also do deeper than Google because Google's not enough. Like her Wikipedia page is not, does not count as doing research and reading about Ida B. Wells. Okay. Her work is pivotal, but we don't learn it in school. She's not talked about in school. So here's my question. Aren't initiatives like this important, even if they are performative, but also like why can't we just learn about these women and the work they do in school and not through Barbie? But like, also, doesn't it take companies like Barbie with the size and scope and reach that they have to help bring these women to the forefront? Like, I'm conflicted. We shouldn't be relying on a toy company to give us lessons regarding who our people are and where they've come from. Yeah, because you all know, like, I don't know, I read the, I had to read, I read the Red Record as part of one of my assignments for grad school when I was taking, you want to say it was, it it was an African-American lit. It might've been women's lit. I'm not hundred percent sure because it's BCV19. Um, And so I read the Red Record. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, I mean, she's very, clear in her reporting and very I mean some people if they want to argue there's an agenda okay the agenda is stop lynching people um and it's you know I think sometimes if people truly read her work and understand what she was doing on a deeper level on an academic level I think she would be I think they would be trying to cancel not cancel her but I think she would be making some banned book lists yeah and because that's very much the rage right now mm-hmm. so yeah i know that makes perfect sense um like is bar is ida b wells barbie sold in southern states oh shit. i don't think that's an answer google can give me because no, i because I, I, I would like, love to know i genuinely wondered that after i was like do do how many like i'd be curious how many people over at mattel have read her work because the because then the static the statistics like the information it's really sad it's hard it is a hard pill to swallow and then you have to wonder like then I wonder things like like my grandfather's from you know BFE of Alabama (laughs) born in 1916 Ida B. Wells died in 19 35 I want to say that sounds about right yeah check that but still you know so we she's still living during gym so yeah she's writing about antebellum south and the you know the post-civil war but she's living through the 20th century too civil right you know Jim Crow south I mean the civil rights haven't you know haven't really like they're kicking into gear kind of you know and so she's like She's a 20th, she's a 19th century figure and she's a 20th century figure. Her reach is over two, you know, very important points in American history. And it's just like, I mean, thank you for helping people understand who she is, but who's actually taking the time to read her work and to see how it's still important today because wasn't it still legal to lynch people up until like a couple years ago? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that was very much so legal. And it's, um, what's the, what was that group of white women like uh, 
the suffragettes the one that the susan b anthony's of the world no 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 the like women confederates or the oh yeah what are they called yeah i forget but that yeah but they were pro-confederacy they were pro-confederacy and oh 1931 i was mistaken correction she was that she died in 1931 the point is the point is that she died during jim crow south yes absolutely but those women they made it their goal and they were successful Mm -hmm. in making sure that they're rewritten that they basically rewrote history in the textbooks yeah whoever wins history right whoever wins whitewashed yeah, so I'm. It's still a problem in the South. It's a problem everywhere, to be honest. But it's still very much a problem in the South. So when you pose the question of, I wonder if Ida B. Wells, you know, was being um, purchased in the South, I significantly doubt it. But Ida B. Wells isn't being taught in the schools, mm-hmm. right? We still have the the same three: Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King. Malcolm X, right? And people don't even realize that there are folks before Rosa Parks mm-hmm. who sat down and refused to get up and had very significant life consequences because mm-hmm. of that, right? Mm-hmm. So if folks don't even know those small things, you know they don't know about Ida B. Wells. And then you go, okay, well, is that why it's important to send your kid to HBCU? Is that where they're going to learn mm-hmm. you know about more more about their people if they didn't learn it already through general public education yeah yeah the first time i took an african-american lit class i was at junior college i was 26 there was this very handsome 23 year old and he thought we were the same age and i felt so cool (laughs) um but you know the majority the bulk of the class you know was you know black kids and then there was like a handful of white kids who followed the professor because he is a really good teacher probably shouldn't have been teaching that class, but he was a really good teacher. And I say that because his specialty is Shakespeare. Mm. Um, and so it became very clear to me within the first couple of weeks that he was assigned this course and it wasn't his expertise. So I started emailing him like information on the side to help make the class more robust. But my point of the story is I was the only person who had heard of every single author on our reading list. Wow. And that was self-taught, right? And that's because my mom's a reader. She was a librarian. She was looking for these things. She knew what to bring into the house, you know? And so that broke my heart because you have these black kids who are in their early twenties who had never heard of James Baldwin, who had never heard of County Collins, who had never heard of like these amazing writers and hadn't heard any of the folklore that exists for us. And You know, and I actually had this moment the other day because I did a presentation I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And one of the books I was talking about was John Henry Days by Colson Whitehead. And the thing I said to the group was like, I encourage you to look into the story of John Henry before you read this book, because he really taps into that story to write this book. Right. Um, and then I was talking to my kid about it and he's like, what? I was like, fuck. Oh, I failed. I didn't raise you with John Henry. Like I have failed. No, he didn't fail, but it's, it's hard because I was trying to survive. <laughs> I was a single mom making yeah, $11 like, an hour, but it's one of those things where like you send your child to school because you want them to learn. Yeah. Right? They sure as shit learned about Paul Bunyan. Oh, on his blue fucking eyes. You send your kid to school 
because you a need them to get out of the house and go to work, but b because you're hoping that they will receive a proper education. Proper being the definitive word here to be defined because that's become a problematic issue as of late. Well, and two, you know, everyone talks about the prison school to prison pipeline, but no one ever talks about the other side of that coin, which is we're basically just breeding people to be good little workers. Oh, absolutely. Like there's no critical thinking. There's no, there's nothing like you go to school, get your high school diploma and then go work for some big corporation that just needs somebody to work in a warehouse. Who cares? For real. No, absolutely. Yeah. The the lack of uh, critical thinking, the lack of creativity. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart when there's like no room to be creative. Like Mm -hmm. I would have died if it weren't for like theater class or like any, or like, did you take journalism with Mr. Thomas? I don't think you were in that class, but he just, you know, gave us kind of this creativity for like, it was like a period of just like, all right, here's your assignment. And then we could interpret it how, you know what I mean? Like, if I hadn't had those outlets to, to be a creative person, I probably would have murdered. Well, I not murdered. I wouldn't have murdered, but I definitely, my soul inside would have died because I can't be a worker bee. I can't, I don't know how to do it. It's not in me to be like, punch in, punch out. That should have come, kill my soul. I need to be in the sunshine. I need to lay in the grass and then I will produce the best fucking work you've ever seen. Absolutely. Because your soul is right. You'll be able to produce quality work. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to be the better version of yourself. Yeah. You put me in a room where there's no sunshine. You might as well just kill me now. I, I would flip the camera around, but I won't, but I have literally like three windows in this nice. room nice. specifically because I need the sunshine. So I yeah. still feel like a human being and not quite like the vampire that I follow. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just saying, just saying, just saying, but yeah, no, our, our education system is significantly flawed to say the least. Yeah. But, um, when it comes to black history, I know people are like, CRT is a big topic, but taking CRT off the table, Mm -hmm. just having a more expansive truth to our history has brought us to this point. The whole point of understanding our history is so we don't repeat the same common mistakes. Right. And I feel like as a nation, we are repeating ourselves. We are in a particular loop. And I think part of that is because there isn't enough education when we are younger for us to truly understand what this country has gone through Mm -hmm. to get to where we are so that we know enough to do better and be better. Yeah. And when we don't provide a, a lens of truth to the history, there is so much that you don't include. Therefore, mm-hmm. there is so much that is not learned. Therefore, people are more than likely going to repeat history because they didn't yeah. know what already happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I get that you're scared, right? Like I want to say to people, I understand that you're scared. We have to grow past it. Yes. We just have to. Yes. And I will say this until I, this will be literally the hill I die on. There's several, but this is one of them. Mm-hmm. You will learn and grow so much from reading fiction. Nonfiction is the more prestigious genre and that's fine, whatever. 
but it doesn't create the space for us to challenge our beliefs and our ideals because we're reading someone's lived experience, which is great because it's true. But what fiction allows for us is a space where we can imagine ourselves in a world that doesn't really exist because it's fiction. And then from there, we can develop empathy and understanding. And then we can take that and transfer it to when we read nonfiction to have a better acceptance of someone else's true story. That needs to be like written down and just kind of sent to the masses because that's girl, that true. is my mission in life. <laughs> that is so very true because one of the things, um, I feel like I've heard Whoopi Goldberg say this before, but oh, maybe that's because she's on Star Trek. One of the things that people have said historically is that when there are movies, stories, storylines about the future, it for some reason never seems to include Black people. My friend and I were just talking about how there's not a lot, like we couldn't come up with any black science fiction or fantasy books for YA. And then on Twitter the other day, this gal was, I'm assuming she's a gal. I shouldn't assume this person on Twitter announced that they are going to have their like black fantasy novel published. Mm-hmm. and it's a whole series and it's been optioned for a movie oh good for them I know I was like good for I them. literally was just talking about how this doesn't exist and now you're making it exist and this makes me so fucking happy I mean like think of Wakanda right mm-hmm. that's, the most, that's like the largest scale most recent version of that mm-hmm. Wakanda is not real right but it is a place that we have imagined where black people thrive yeah and they're not based on the horrors of their past yeah you know that's a conversation too that people are struggling that i get that i struggle with where people are like when you have something that is black art a black story and it doesn't include trauma Mm -hmm. like some people are like this isn't historically accurate and then or this isn't accurate to true life and then other people like thank you for finally giving us something that doesn't include trauma and I'm in the camp of like can I just get a rom-com where we're not worried that these guys are gonna get shot because they're black like come on (laughs) like and I don't want to get attacked for that I don't want to be attacked for that for wanting that I want I want beautiful stories. I want suspense. I want, I don't want thrillers. I can't do thrillers, but I want the kind of stories that I I like. Yeah. That's starring, you know, black casts, but they don't have to worry about, they can just exist. They can just exist. That's all I want is for them to just exist. Yes. And it shouldn't be that difficult, but clearly, clearly society has deemed itself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love people like Jordan Peele. Yes. because he's out here just creating all kinds of worlds <laughs> yeah somebody was like so, did I tell you this story before somebody was like I saw get out this white person says this to me I saw get out and oh my god I get it now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no you don't yet but good on you for getting closer Yep. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for saying that to my face. Yep. (laughs) Good thing it's a sunny day, so I got some sunglasses on, so you can't see the look of my eyes. Uh (laughs) Um, someone someone's being interviewed, and I don't remember which black 
actor this was, but they were saying that like watching or a white person saying that they've seen the movie Get Out was like the new I voted for Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is me as a white person identifying that I'm an ally. I voted for Obama, but instead it had become I watch Get Out. Yeah, I watched <laughs> Get Out. I saw Get yes. Out. Oh my god! And listen, I haven't watched Get Out because I read all the reviews. I know you know I've followed Jordan Peele's career, and I was like, this is not a thing I can sit through because it's gonna be it's gonna be too real. <laughs> um, like I understand that this is yes. supposed to be like like a fantasy sci-fi situation, I can't fucking do it. Like, it's going to be so real to me that I'm going to be like, I just got traumatized because of this movie. I can't, I just got, I just recovered from some other drama. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's a fantasy sci-fi for Mm. non-melanated people. (laughs) For melanated people, it's their everyday reality. That's how, that's the, that's kind of the, takeaway I got from reading the reviews and just sort of watching as many trailers as I could on you know YouTube and what have you and I was just like oh this is this is not a movie I can sit through and feel okay about my life because then I'm going to walk out into the world and it's going to be exactly like that well and see that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is because it 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 only like reinforces your own personal reality which Mm -hmm. does not make it easier to interact with people who don't look like you Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying like that is a good thing but it 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 takes a moment yeah right like it takes like a a decompressing moment to just be like i'm okay (laughs) yeah this is okay but if you ever do want to watch it we could do like a watch party and i will totally watch it with you because i liked the movie and i thought it was good and i was appreciative that even in the ridiculousness um it's not really ridiculous, but even I should say in the reality of this movie, there was still a lot of humor. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciated that. Um, well, you know, comedians make the best drama writers in my mind because they take, because they, because they, they have to do comedy. Otherwise they're going to be crushed by their emotions yes. is what I think. And that's exactly why I think Jordan Peele keeps making the movies he's been making. Yeah. Cause us, did you see us? Yes. I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> okay. I that, saw that fucking trailer creeped me the fuck out. I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> it it should. There's um, a huge, I don't want to say two thirds, two thirds of the movie I've probably creeped out. But if you look at the movie as a whole, it is a good movie. And then you just go, damn, Jordan, what else you got in that mind of yours? You know what I'm saying? Like you have given similar ideas into two totally different realities what else you got going on in there yeah he's got a new one he's got a new one coming out with uh kiki palmer and common oh i love common who doesn't i was actually really sad when he and tiffany haddish broke up i saw i saw that tiffany got interviewed after they broke up and um she was asked you know like what did you think of common's response or whatever or like his explanation when he was getting interviewed Mm -hmm. about it and she said well everything he said in that interview was new to me (laughs) 
Ooh. Era of Tiff, keeping it real all the time. I love her. Okay. All so, the time. So I have a correction that needs to happen. Jamie Foxx won in 2004 for Best Actor for Ray. Oh, shit. Okay. I know. I forgot to. And then Forrest Whitaker won Best Actor in 2006 for The Last King of Scotland. I forgot about that movie. I think everyone has. Damn. And then... I think... Okay, so yeah, so it looks like um, 2006 Force Whitaker's the last lead actor Academy Award winner. So four total, first being Sidney Poitier in 1963, Denzel in 1989. Oh no, Denzel in 89 was supporting for Glory. Um, Then, so 63 for Sidney, 2001 for Denzel, 2004 for Jamie Foxx and then 2006 for with Forrest Whitaker. Okay. Still four, but four is better than the two mm-hmm. in my head. So I guess. Yeah. And isn't that time. interesting how we only ever pull Denzel and Poitier and how easy we forget that Jamie Foxx is a fucking Oscar winner? Yeah. No, because I, yeah, I would have not had remember, remember that at all if we hadn't mentioned it. Yeah. And I remember when Ray came out, cause I was like, Oh, that was a great movie. But also at the same time, Don Cheadle was nominated as well. He was in the category as well for, um, hotel Rwanda. And he was so good in hotel Rwanda that when Jamie Foxx won, I was like, I really think it should have gone to Don Cheadle. Yeah. There, I, now that you mentioned it, I remember that 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 uh like hush of conversation mm-hmm. had definitely gone around because it was like hey it was one of us but then it was like let's do a deeper dive into this you know what I mean because you know Hotel Rwanda was Charles? all about genocide and you know Ray is a biopic about Ray Charles <laughs> <laughs> she was just like um the math ain't mathing this mm-hmm. this is not no and I love Don Cheadle. I actually, at first I was upset that he replaced Terrence Howard in the Iron Man series. And then mm-hmm. I was like, nah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, but Terrence did it to himself. He did. Because his ego got too big. And, you know, that happens. Yeah. I, I get it. If you don't feel respected, you should lose the situation. Um, I'm glad that they didn't turn around and give it to a white guy. I mean, because they easily could have. They could have, Yeah. They didn't even try to find someone that looked like Terrence. No. Did they really like, problematic? But yeah. I guess I'll take my wins so I can take my wins. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? And that brings us back to our Barbie conversation. It's almost like we got to take our wins when we can take our wins because, again, could a, could a smaller company bring these women? out in the way that they're being brought out right like now all these little girls everywhere can we'll see like they're probably a little card it's probably you know sanitized because of yeah. how much her work really was about ending lynching yes um but you know it's it's a start and then like maybe maybe support maybe 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 Mattel you could like I don't know drop a couple million and some like creatives who work in the industry who also work in the doll industry who are black like that'd be kind of cool do some sort of collab if they like featured 
if they featured Mm -hmm. um, a creative who was making black dolls I think that would be really cool but I'm I will tell Mattel thank you but I think what they're doing is minimum right it's like the minimum expectation you should be having diverse products because your products represent the human race Mm -hmm. and now throughout history current and future right so at a minimum you should be having proper representation yeah so thank you for doing your job in a sense whether I believe it was you know genuinely performed right if it was done for the goodness of your heart if it was done because you're just coming after this money or if you were actually trying to be diverse because there is a possibility that there was a Jamal in the room, mm-hmm. right? Or that there was a Taisha in the room and said, no, I want to make sure that our folks are being represented. So it's hard to fully judge when we're not in the room because we yeah. don't know how um, how it all came to be, mm-hmm. right? The, their, the origin story, if you will, right. of the product. So I'm appreciative that it's out there. I'm appreciative that there is um, better representation today than there was yesterday. Yeah. But at the end of the day, these these are minimum expectations mm-hmm. for such a company. Mm-hmm. This is what I expect you to be doing. And as a matter of fact, I expect you to be getting better and further developing yourself as a company yeah. and becoming more diverse. Right. So yeah. I wonder I what the go ahead. No, as we say, I can't celebrate it, but I can appreciate them doing their job properly. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what kind of conflict exists if they were to set aside some funds that came from the inspiring women series and put that back into programs that empower and support the education of women and girls and what kind of funding that could be created for like female entrepreneurs and, you know, just helping whatever. And I wonder if there is a conflict in doing that because of other things that we aren't aware of, right? Like who's, who sits on their board of directors and what kind of like big power is there because it is hard to, the two don't, the two can't jive if like, um, the guy who sits on the board for Mattel is also actively funneling money into a campaign of somebody who is doing oppressive things to people. And I wonder, I wonder what that looks like. I don't have the time to research it. And I don't think I have the energy because I can't take any more disappointment. It's only February. (laughs) (laughs) Beginning of the year. year. I got to spread out my disappointment. Uh, I got to make it to December, but I would be curious to see because it would, I mean, I'm sure they're making a shit ton of money. These dolls are selling for 30 fucking dollars, anywhere from 30 to $35. Yeah, Plus, you, you know, know the shipping profit margin is pretty solid on those dolls too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be curious, like, or like give some of the money back to the fucking Girl Scouts for Christ's sake or something like something where the funds from this inspiring women's series is going, is earmarked for empowering women and girls, education, starting businesses. I don't know what the fuck that would look like. Like what, okay. what is the issue that they can't do that? Or do they even want? to that that's my question because what i'm thinking of is if you and i are thinking about it so easily then someone or some people over there must have thought about it as well and there must be a reason why they're not doing it Mm -hmm. which takes me back to i won't celebrate what they're doing 
I will appreciate what they're doing. And I will repeatedly say, this is a minimum. Yeah. You should be doing more. You should be doing more. Yeah. I think about all the time, like, okay, so if I can successfully make this business earn lots and lots of money, what kind of things can I do in return? Cause I'm a creative. It's really hard to be a creative and to support yourself when you are creative and you have to work a nine to five and you're a parent. So what would that look like if I was making Mattel money in my company that would look like for me, okay, I'm going to create scholarships for moms who are artists, you know, prioritizing, um, single moms and, (laughs) and, um, you know, black moms and just kind of creating those spaces. So that way they can create art and are able to that. And they're not having to work 40 jobs, you know, four jobs just to make ends meet and their soul is dying. Like I would want to offer a scholarship that would be an annual salary. That's an, that would be decent enough for you to live on for a year. You can't count on it forever, but I'm going to give you money. You can take the time to do whatever your art is for why, why did you think about why would you think of that because of your own personal experiences mm-hmm. because of your own personal background mm-hmm. and that's that is the problem is that they don't have enough people with diverse backgrounds who could either at least think of these ideas mm-hmm. or at least have the power to take it from thought into reality yeah Right. Because there might be people who are thinking of it and it might be falling on deaf ears, which we see a lot of regularly. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there was enough people with diverse backgrounds who had proper power at that company, something like that could happen Mm -hmm. because there could be a Julia who's going, let me tell you, there are some real good opportunities and how we can turn this around and help fellow folks. Mm -hmm. Right they're not doing that there. And that I just go back to, there's gotta be a reason why they're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the reason, but there's a reason. And I always feel like you just got to follow the green. Right. If they don't feel like it would, if they don't need to give money away as a company for their own tax reasons, right. Um, if they don't feel like it's going to give them proper or enough press, mm-hmm. Right. If they don't feel like it's going to like help their brand name as a whole. Um, yeah. Cause you know, people who are actually doing good work and don't give a shit about the accolades, Denzel, um, aren't out there talking about, look at all the good work I'm doing. Thank you. They're just doing it. Denzel. Thank you. <laughs> right. And then there are companies like well, I'll just say publicly, publicly traded companies Mm -hmm. where they will go out there and do good works when they want something regarding their stock prices to change. They'll say, pat me on the back. Look at how great we are. And you're just like, the way you told that story is really fucking icky. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, on a side note, speaking of Rwanda, I need you to go on Netflix and watch a show called Black Earth Rising. Black Earth Rising. Where's my list of recommend? I'm, I literally have a note card of recommendations that people have given me that I'm like, this is where I'm going to eventually get to every, like, I still got to start showtime. Like I keep forgetting to restart showtime because I need to watch Fuck's my list, whatever. I'm going to write it on this post-it. Okay. Okay, What is it called? Black earth rising. Black earth rising. And the only two people that I knew of when I started watching was John Goodman and Michaela Coel. John Goodman's in it? 
John Goodman's in it, and he plays a great character. Oh, I found my note card with all the recommendations oh, people have made me. Um, what's the um, Kayla? She just did that show that Netflix was supposed to do. I may destroy you. Oh, that was her and her yeah. show and her creation. She yeah, is, she um, held out for eight, like for some because Netflix tried to fuck her over. Yes, and she was like, "No, I will have my creative rights. This yeah. is my baby, and you will not take this from me." She is in Black Earth Rising. Ooh, and it is good. It, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't binge watch it. I'm not a big binge watcher, period. But I couldn't binge watch this because there is a history of Rwanda, mm. emotions involved. But really it sad. was good. They yeah, did a good yeah. job with this. I don't they ever had a second season but was- netflix is really big on doing a whole first season because you remember when we were kids shows maybe would last like 18 episodes and then you're like oh, i didn't ever come back because yeah. ratings were low and they were like fuck it we're not doing this netflix will give a series an entire first season and then make the decision to cancel <laughs> yeah no absolutely which is which is cool but also, do you remember the days when TV shows were 18 or were 22 to 25 episodes? And now I'm like, it's 13 episodes. This is why it's so long. This is a lot. This is a lot. Oh, yeah, it's 13 no, hours. It's hard for me to do that. I can't. Yeah. But I can't binge watch stuff anyway. Mm. So like, even if I'm working and I have the TV on, I'll like turn it off after a while or like I'll change it from like the TV to a podcast and then come yeah. back. So, but I'm just, that's just kind of how my brain works. You know, I'm starting to do that more now before I would just like, oh, the entire series dropped. Uh, see you guys on Sunday. (laughs) 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 And now I am kind of shifting and kind of getting more into a little bit here and a little bit there. And I think that's a a lot to do because of the podcast and, and, um, you know, covering topics that my guests are comfortable talking about, but I want to make sure I've seen what enough of what I need to see. So I can also intelligently have these conversations and not just straight come from like my personal experience. Like I need to relate to the material, right? Like in some form or another, but, um, it's just, I don't know. It's wild. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do get pissed though. Cause they make the whole season at once and then they, and then streaming platforms will make the decision to drop one a week. And I'm like, you are already fucking done recording it. Just give it all to us at once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just do it. Like, don't do like Pam and Tommy right now. I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait till all that. And like oh. love is blind season two. I'm literally waiting. Cause the finale drops Friday. So I'm like, that's my weekend. I'm going to put it on and just, yes. um, are you, would you give Pam and Tommy a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Listen, I don't know how I feel about it right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because it's cause we were 12 when that happened. Oh God. Okay. So like I'm reconciling my memory of the events at the time with how the television is telling me the story. Oh, okay. That's a point of view. And how's that going for you? It's really hard. Cause I'm like, wait, cause I, I feel like people need to know and understand one of the reasons why I feel qualified to do this show. I literally watched entertainment tonight every fucking night 
from like the age of eight (laughs) until like I actually think I, st- I didn't watch it when I moved into this apartment. So I haven't seen it in 10 years. Okay. Um, but for 20 years, every single night I watched entertainment tonight. And so I feel like it's weird because I remember how entertainment was covered at that time. Right. Of course. And I'm, I'm like, it's just, it's just hitting weird. I don't know. And two, their oldest son was born in 96. And at the point of where we are in the story, I'm like, she should be obviously pregnant by now. Oh, oh, that's not helpful. So I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to wait. Like I've watched, I'm, I'm completely caught up, but I'm like, fuck it. I should just wait until they're all dropped and then watch it all the way through. Cause I'm having some kind of emotions. I don't know if it's because it's weird to see like our, our, the nineties that I can fully remember now being recreated and told. Right. I don't know if that's part of I'm it. I'm sure too. that plays like that plays a role in it. Like, is this how our parents felt when they started making, when they made period pieces about like the sixties? You know what? I wonder about stuff like that because a lot of the period pieces are widely inaccurate. Yeah. And like not, properly representative of what was going on um hashtag summer of soul is one of the things i'm watching right now but on hulu which is not a story um that's quest love right that's his documentary that's documentary yeah because it was basically like the black woodstock yeah yeah and quest was like he was nominated for an academy award for that exactly but in the intro he's like i love music he's like i live in breeze music he's like i didn't know there was a black woodstock yeah He's like, I've talked to a lot of my friends about it, young and old. He's like, we didn't know there was a Black Woodstock. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the people that performed in this concert was like, just on the cusp of becoming big. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Nina Simone, before she became like more activist than not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When she was starting to sing a little bit differently and about mm-hmm. different stuff. Um, a lot of people just kind of like on the cusp of this. And so he was just like, what else of our history has been whitewashed? And he's like, I know the answer to that, but still. He's like, this, this was in the 60s and that was whitewashed. He's like, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't know it existed at all. Which brings me to the concept. So I, saw, I was on Instagram the other day. I follow a couple of classic Hollywood pages and somebody posted about how like, oh, Hattie McDaniel, first African-American woman to win an Academy Award. And this is so amazing. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, okay. Clearly the person who wrote this is white because then they would know how controversial she actually is in the black community. Um, <laughs> and it's great. Like I'm not discrediting the fact that she won an Academy Award and it's amazing and it shouldn't have taken all those fucking years for a second black woman to win an Academy Award. Right. But when you get into the life in times of Hattie McDaniel, yes. one, it's sad. And two, she says some pretty shitty stuff publicly it's one of those things where you see the award you see the person getting the award but then you go back and you look at the work and you're like why are they getting this award yeah so like and it kind of aligns with the whole ida b wells doll representation too because on the one hand you know there's this um person on Instagram that I really love who posted it. And she was the one who was very critical. And I was like, yeah, I support your criticism about this. And then on the other hand, this other representation page I follow was like praising it. And so it's like, where do the two meet? Because now, now I can, now I can see 
your life experience based on how you're posting about this. Right. So, and it's the same with Heidi McDaniel, like, Oh, you didn't grow up hearing about how she said really shitty things about the black community. Um, okay. Got it. Got it. Like we're in it, in it, could potentially fall into that conversation too of like how do you do you separate the art and the achievements from the artist like that's a big conversation especially yeah. right now so I don't know it's hard it's hard it's 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 I'm trying to think of another word besides hard but I know it just it is hard when you when you look at the melanated people who have won you look at their work and you start to sometimes question why they won, mm-hmm. right? You see Hattie and you're like, yes, she won, great. What was Hattie doing in her work to get that award, right? You're talking about Denzel. Denzel was a bad cop, that's when he got his award. People talk about Hallie. Halle Berry fucked a white man on TV and showed her tits and she won an award. Mm-hmm. Not to say that's exactly the reason why, but that is what black society was saying about it right so it's not you can't just like say oh it's great she won representation no because that's that's not even half of the story yeah because there's a at some point with those awards you're reinforcing specific ideas that you have about the community and that's hard because Denzel should have been nominated for Hurricane that is an underrated Denzel movie he played that role beautifully it's a biopic and like when I saw it and I was like I can't believe he didn't get recognized for this performance it's fucking flawless yes yes absolutely absolutely Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm gonna switch the topic one more time and then we'll probably have to wrap up because I realize I'm starting to get tired. I know my sleep alarm just went on and I think my child just went to bed. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's bedtime. But in the um the reason why you wanted to get showtime. Yeah. Right? The what um can we talk about Bill Cosby? Yeah. Right they talk about all aspects of Bill, not just the controversial stuff, right? right? They, they heavily go into his contributions to society, to Black Hollywood, um, and how he busted down doors. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, that goes into, can you separate, you know, the person from the art, which is a continuous conversation. But in that, they talk about how Bill, as he was, like, developing his brand and kind of further developing his brand at one point, he really started criticizing the black men that came before him that were um, being represented and making millions of dollars being basically black and dumb. Yeah. Right. And allowing that to be the viewpoint of us by white society. Right. Right. Which is why he busted his ass and why he was very specific on the roles he took mm-hmm. and why he pushed so hard and demanded for things where I'm sure they told him to his face, Negro, please. Right. Right. Um, they talk about how he's the reason why um, Black stunt men and women became, because mm-hmm. before that it was just white folks and Black guys. Yeah. You know, just doing the action part, right? Mm -hmm. And Bill Cosby said, no, I'm not gonna have a white man and black face. 
yeah. representing me while for these action scenes. Like you're gonna go find someone that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And they found someone. And so there's there's a lot that we can criticize about our own. But at the end of the day, those people did open the doors for other folks to walk through. Right. And right. those folks have kept the door open to allow others to walk through. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? You got to keep the door open. You got to keep the door open. You can't close it. Um, People will say in Hollywood, usually when they're Black, they will allow like one Black person to be famous at a time. Um, More recent last couple of decades, that's been changing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for a while, it was Will Smith. We talked about him earlier. Mm -hmm. He was the guy, right? Mm -hmm. There were some others, but no other Black person in that genre was as hot as he was. There's usually just one that they allow into the room. And now other people are kind of forcing the door open, putting a kickstand (laughs) and bringing other people in, which is beautiful to see. But um, it's hard to even, because I know Hattie said some very, um, she had some very dickish comments, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if she wasn't who she was, if she was this regular person, you would want to backhand her for saying such out, making such outlandish she comments. She be canceled. You know what I'm saying? 2022. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. then at the same time, you have to appreciate she took a, a role that white people were offering. Yeah, it was all she was allowed to play. And that was I it. mean, she so famously said, am now. I going to be a maid and make $3 an hour or am I going to play a man and make three hundred dollars exactly exactly or three dollars a week or something like that whatever the the numbers was but like that's her that's a famous quote and part of me is like yeah girl i get it like i mean it's it's hard it is hard out here for women it's hard out here for women of color and yes we've made waves and there's a lot of like people who've broken down those class you know broke those glass ceilings and have done all these things but at the end of the day like I still shouldn't have to fight so hard to get paid my worth. That's a fact. That's yeah. an absolute fact. Like if I'm coming to you saying, hey, it's time for a raise, it's because my work is proven itself. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm. it should show you that I want to stay with the company. Like this should, this is me saying I want to stay at the company, invest in me. And invest in me because I will continue to give you great work. Uh-huh. And you're welcome because that's what every company wants. Yep. Oh my gosh, Nikki. Listen, I have this very strong memory of being 12 years old and my mother telling me that I can't buy Barbies with my birthday money anymore. She's probably going to text me after she listens to this episode and be like, that's not true. Here's what really happened. Cause that's what happens when she listens to the podcast. <laughs> hey, <mom>. But <laughs> I'm so glad you stopped by. I know we've been trying to coordinate time for you to come by again. And our lives are just like, not things just haven't jived. So I'm glad that they did, um, this week. And I'm really excited that we got to bring our DM conversation to live time. No, me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Cause even when we DM, it's like great, but you can like feel the energy yeah. when we're talking about it. And there's just like never enough time. So, no. Yeah. That's that's a new segment. Like slide into my DMs. Like, yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> 
It's our DM conversation with Brad Dillon. For real? Yeah. For real. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I've taken up enough of your time today. Friends at home, thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington. If you love our show and want to support it, there's a few ways you can do that. You can become a supporter on Patreon for $10 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content, or you can write a review and rate the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And lastly, if neither of those things is your style, you can find us on Instagram, give us a follow and share our video clips with your friends. We're on IG as pop culture makes me jealous. Thanks for tuning in y'all.